encourage you guys to get your Bible uh, out. We'll be in Exodus again. As you guys remember, we're doing our series, My Dad Can Beat Up Your Dad, Exodus 1 through 15. Um, so open up your Bibles. We'll be in Exodus chapter 3 if you need a Bible. Uh, we got a couple of them over there. David is. David it looks like that kind of like the last big one over there. Oh, wait, no, there's one more at the black. You want to grab that one, David, just in case anyone st- sitting up there? Anyone need a Bible here? You can, yep, yeah, we got one, a couple guys over here. All right. David's coming. There's actually one right behind you, Adam, there on the table if you want that one. All right. Awesome. So we'll be in Exodus chapter 3. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll start by reviewing where we came from. So it's helpful to just think Exodus chapter 1, if you need to flip back and kind of skim a little bit there. Anybody remember what, what was kind of some of the big stuff that we were seeing in Exodus chapter 1? Where are the Israelites? Egypt, okay? What's happening? Are, are things like just getting better or getting worse? Worse. Things are getting worse, okay? And what is happening to the Israelites as things keep getting worse? You guys remember what we kind of talked about? Oppressed. What's that? Oppressed. Like, they, it's getting harder. Yeah. Like more burdens. More burdens, slavery, first killing, all the children. killing the boys. What else is happening? Chapter 1. There was a particular phrase that we kind of saw repeating itself throughout the chapter. Um, We see it in verse 7. We see it in verse 12. um, We see it in kind of 17. Yeah, they keep multiplying, right? Sorry, Katie, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, so both those things. So... God is fulfilling his promises. It's this promise that showed up back in the Garden of Eden when God said, be fruitful and multiply. That's the command. And all throughout Genesis, they're being fruitful, fruitful and they're multiplying. We hit Exodus 1, and four times, no matter how bad things get from the Egyptians, Israelites just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's just more and more and more of them. Okay? So that's what's happening in chapter 1. And then chapter 2, who shows up? Someone kind of important for the book of Exodus. Moses! We can do this, guys. Yes, Moses, okay? So Moses shows up, um, and we see that God is at work raising up Moses, kind of miraculously here. And yet, Moses, when he kind of comes onto the scene, and we get the sense that Moses is like, all right, I'm going to do something about it now. These are my people. Israel's my people. He goes out, kills an Egyptian, and then the next day he goes out and sees two uh, Hebrews fighting with each other. And he says, you know, why do you strike each other? How do they respond? Yeah. Who made you the prince over us? And are you going to kill us too? Okay. And in a sense, this redeemer is rejected. And now Moses knows, Pharaoh knows about it. And he has to run away. And we're left thinking, what's going to happen? Has God's plan been thwarted, okay? But then, in the end of chapter 2, we get this. Verse 23, During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And we we called this kind of like the calm before the storm, right? So like God sees, he hears, he remembers, 
He knows what they're going through. And so what's God going to do about it? That's the big question. And in chapter 3, what does God do about it? What did we talk about last week? Yeah, exactly, right? So God shows up to Moses in what? Burning bush, right? God shows up in the burning bush. And God says to Moses, I've seen, I've heard, I'm remembering my people. But then he adds something else. And I have come down. I've come down, okay? So it's kind of like if my dad can beat up your dad, we could talk, you know, all that we want in the playground. My dad can beat up your dad. But when my dad shows up, things are about to get real. Right? So he's come down. God has come down. And so, you know, Moses might be like, yes, thank you. Let's fix this, God. And God says, I've come down and I am going to send you to go and do this. You're going back to Pharaoh. And Moses has a number of questions for God following such a statement, okay? And so that's where we are. We're, we're kind of picking up in the middle of this. And what we're in in chapter 3 is a conversation between God and Moses, okay? And so in this conversation, if you look down at verse 12, that's kind of where we left off, Moses, um, or verse 11, sorry, has his first question for God. God says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And here is question number one, and we're going to have him on the screen here. Question number one, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So Moses' big question is, who am I? Why me, God? Aren't there other people that you could have chosen to do this with? Why me, okay? And so let's look at what God answers Moses. God answers Moses, and this is, again, review from last week. He said, but I will be with you. Is that an answer? Moses said, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. Like, did you not like, clean out your ears this morning, God? I, that's not what I'm asking, okay? Um, so what does that mean? I will be with you. And so last week we talked about actually this is an answer to the question, who am I? It's not just an answer. It's the most important answer to the question of who am I? Why are you sending me, God? Because this answer turns the question on its head, and it's saying, it doesn't matter who you are, Moses. If God is with you, it doesn't matter who you are, right? Yeah, if God is with you, nothing, what'd you say? Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible, right? That's somewhere else in the Bible. We will find it later. Um, and so, yeah, if God is with you, it doesn't matter who you are. God is the one that makes all the difference. And so what Moses needs is not like a higher self-esteem, he doesn't need a pep talk from God. Oh, come on, Moses. You're better than you think you are, you know. He needs to know that God is with him. He needs a deeper sense of God's presence. And last week, we, we ended by just pointing out, we're in Moses' shoes. At the end of Jesus' life, Jesus says to all who would follow him, us included, I am sending you out to make disciples of all nations. All right, and Guys, I want you guys to see that the Exodus is a direct parallel to the Christian life. Moses is being sent to deliver people out of slavery to Egypt. 
Christians are sent to deliver people out of slavery to sin. And at the end of that verse, Jesus says, I'm sending you all out to go and make disciples of all nations. And if we are to say, who am I, Lord? I don't have a Bible degree. I'm just in sixth grade. I, you know, I I don't know enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not very good at the talking thing. God, Jesus says at the end of that verse, behold, I am with you to the end of the age. In other words, he says the exact same thing that God said to Moses. When Moses said, who am I? God said, I will be with you. And so when we say, God, Jesus says, I'm sending you out. And we say, why me? Why send me out? He says, I will be with you. And that's all we need to know, that Jesus is going to be with us as we go out. Well, let's pick up there. Um, And so we, we might argue that this should have ended Moses's questions, right? It should have ended Moses' questions. Just to know, God is going to be with me. Boom, that's the end of the story. Um, but it doesn't. And it doesn't because a couple reasons. First of all, it doesn't end the conversation because of the time that Moses lives in. So we have to remember that Moses lives in a time when there's lots of gods. Okay, there's lots of gods out there. Many Egyptian gods that are known for being really powerful gods. Um, and these gods are oftentimes tied to either your family your ancestors, or the region that you lived in, okay? So it was believed that, you know, when you traveled to another region, so like if you went to Ohio, you would ask, who's the god in Ohio? That's kind of the way that your mindset would work. And it's not that gods couldn't travel and go to different areas, but you just wanted to know back then, who should I keep happy, basically? Like that was the view of gods, is like I just need to keep them happy, keep them appeased so that, you know, my crops will grow and things like that. And so for Moses to ask, who are you, God? It's not a dumb question. It's actually a very logical question. Which God are you? Who's talking to me? Because here's Moses, whose ancestors lived in Canaan. He grew up in Egypt, and now he's living in Midian. So like three different regions that he's lived in, he's he's tied to. He's probably heard names of a lot of different gods. So God, who are you? Which one are you? The conversation also doesn't end because of God's gracious uh, spirit. I think this is a good takeaway here is that God is gracious to Moses. God could have said, silence you. I am God. I already said that. Go do what I said. But he doesn't. Notice how long God just deals with Moses and answers his questions. And I think this is a great um, indication of who our God is. Our God is a gracious God. Our God is a patient God. Our God listens to us and listens to our questions. And and I hope that you guys know God in that way. I hope that you know that the God of the universe is honored by you to come to him in prayer and ask him whatever you want to ask him, to ask him any questions that you have, to pour out your heart to him. That's not a disrespectful thing. It's not an offensive thing. It's something that he invites. And we see it here with Moses. So that's the second question. God, who are you? Um, The way that Moses says it in verse 13 is, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? And this is where I want us to camp out just for a little bit. What shall we say is God's name? Well, we're going to, the answer God gives is in verses 13 to 22. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read those verses together, okay? And then with the person sitting next to you, I want you to just answer these two questions. First, 
What has God told us about who he is in these verses? And are you satisfied with this answer or do you have questions about what God says here and what are they? Okay, so let's read it together. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Notice he's still kind of answering the question. These are all answers to the question, who am I? This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise, I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. That's who I am. That's the God that I am. Okay? So, with your neighbor, real quick, who, I mean, how do you sum that up into who God is? Just go ahead and discuss that, and we'll come back together. All right. Well, what do you guys think? What is, what is God saying here about who he is? Or are you just, like, totally confused? Yeah, right. There's something about him knowing what's going on in the future, right? Good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So not only so so he's the way he's talking about the showdown with Egypt is it's going to be war and he's going to win. They're going to plunder him, plunder the Egyptians, right? Yeah, uh, Katie. It says like in verse sixteen, um, the Lord of your, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to you. So it also kind of shows he's a constant, even with generations, he's walking over all of their ancestors and protecting them. So he's going to be safe for you as well. Totally. So like, there's an element where he's also the God of the past. This God who was with your ancestors is the God that's coming to deliver you now. Good. Noel? So he's a God who keeps his promises, right? Awesome. So he makes a promise. He's going to keep his promises. Michaela, was it? Totally. So, I mean, this is huge. Like, he can not only manipulate, like, or not maybe manipulate is not the right word, but he can change the hearts of his own people, but he can change the hearts of the other people, the enemy people too, right? Yeah. Maddie. Totally. 
Yeah, so he's a God who will keep his promises. He will follow through, right? He's going to be faithful. Good. What do you guys make of the whole I am who I am bit? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, so like in Egypt, we're going to, you know, one of the key gods is named Ra, right? So we know the sun god is named Ra. That's who he is. So when God is asked, well, who is your, what is your name? He doesn't say Larry or whatever his name is, right? He says, I am who I am. That's who I, that's, that's who God is. I am who I am. And there's something above the other gods. And, and Colin, I think you're hitting on the head. We just said, in the ancient world, gods were tied to your family, gods were tied to your region, and he's not going to even deign to that sort of thing. He's just, he is who he is, and it's this transcendent definition of who God is. He's above every other god. He is actually the god, the one and only god in comparison to all other gods. Good. Any other thoughts on it? Any questions? Let's, let's talk a little bit more about this, okay? So... What's interesting about this is um, you guys have heard the term Yahweh, maybe, okay? That's where this comes from. I am who I am is shortened when, when he says, tell them that I am has sent you. This is in Hebrew. Um, what we have, so this is a Y, so Hebrew is read from this direction, okay? This is an H. This is a V or a W, and this is a H, okay? And they didn't use vowels back then, made it very confusing. Um, later on, they put the vowels in there, all right? And so when we put the vowels in there, we're left with Yahweh, okay? And so let's try to clear up a couple of quick questions. First of all, the question might be, why doesn't my Bible say Yahweh? Why doesn't my Bible say, tell them that Yahweh sent you? sent you, okay? Um, and the reason is because um, it actually does in the Hebrew, but later on, they developed something where they felt like it was maybe somewhat superstitious, but they felt like it was wrong to say the name Yahweh. And so they, instead of saying Yahweh, they would say the Lord, or the word back then would be Adonai, okay? Um, so they would say Adonai instead of Yahweh. And then when the Bible was translated into Greek, they translated it Kurios, which is the Lord, which just means the master, um, the one in charge. Um, and so then when we translated it from the Greek to the English, we kept the Lord. Okay, So that's why it says the Lord all throughout Scripture. And one of the reasons we want to hold on to that is because that Greek construction of God's name, the Lord, is intentionally carried on throughout the New Testament. Because what do we call Jesus? The Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And so when you read the Greek Bible, and just like when you read the English Bible, it's not, it shouldn't be a coincidence that throughout the Old Testament, the Lord is called the Lord, and Jesus is called the Lord. The connection's clear, that this is God who is coming down to earth, okay? And so they, we want to see that. But one trick that you can do is, is if you look at your Bible, um, and you look at verse 15, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, God... All right, so when it says God, that means Elohim. It's a Hebrew word that's just kind of a more generic word for God. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, and, and notice the Lord there, it's all capitals, 
you guys see that? L-O-R-D, all capital letters. That when it's written this way, it means that in Hebrew, it says Yahweh. Okay, Y-H-W-H. So when you read that, you can say, oh, they really did take his name, Yahweh, I will be, and use it for in scripture. Okay, so they didn't just give it up. They just translate it the Lord now. All right, so that's one maybe a little interesting point. But this name, I am, could actually be translated in three different ways. It could be translated, I always, I have always been who I have always been. It could be translated in a past tense. It could be present, I am who I am. And it could be future, I will be who I will be. Okay, it's actually, there's nine options because you could choose, you could say, I have been who I always will be, but not all of them make sense. So best to say three. Um, I will be who I have always been. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, um, in other words, it says, it means what Colin says. No one defines who God is. God defines who he is. That God is transcendent. He's above all these definitions and lots of other theological ways of saying it that I'm going to skip. So what about for us? What about who God is for us? Well, here's something really cool. Um, I, I feel like maybe you've been bored by the definition stuff. So wake up, listen to this. This is really cool. John chapter 8. The Pharisees, people come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, who are you? And here's Jesus's answer. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Which makes English grammar teachers go, oh, like, why does he talk like that? That's so bad and weird. Actually, it's incredibly meaningful. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus takes God's name and says, that's who I am. That's why people wanted to kill him. It wasn't unclear to the Pharisees who Jesus thought he was. And if you think that Jesus was just mistaken in claiming to be God, I want to read to you another part that's even better. John 18, listen to this. Then Jesus, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, John 18, verses 4 through 6. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward when they came to arrest him and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. The only problem there is that we say I am he because that makes the English sound better, but that's not what Jesus said. They said, Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am. And what happens? Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. You guys know those scenes in Marvel movies where like guys have like superpowers and they just do like, like, kind of like flex and the power just goes and everything just kind of destroyed around them? That's basically what Jesus is doing here. They've come to arrest God. And God says, you want to know who I am? I am. <laughs> okay? Knocks them all flat. And then they get up again and they're like, uh, and, then they, and then he says, okay, now you can take me. All right? Yeah. So if we want to know who God is, if we're like, I don't get the whole I am thing, all we have to do is look at Jesus. If we want to know who this mysterious I am, who I am is, we just look at who Jesus is and we see who God is.
Well, we'll fast forward through the rest of the text here. Um, God says, I am who I am. And then Moses has two objections. Moses says, well, they won't listen to me. They won't listen very well to me. And so God, he, he answers, and, and he actually has two objections. I, they won't listen well, and I can't speak well. And so God gives him two things. God says, well, here's a bunch of signs for them to listen to you. You know, you got the whole staff turning into a serpent. You've got the hand turning to leprosy and then back to good hand. Um, and if they won't listen to those, you can take some water out of the Nile, dump it out, and it'll turn into blood. That's all signs that I'm giving to you so that they will listen to you. And we might ask ourselves, well, what about me? What if I'm in Moses' shoes? Like, you want me to go share the gospel with someone? They won't listen to me. What signs can God give us? Like, it'd be really cool if my math book turned into a butterfly. I'm like, see, now listen to me, see? That's not what God's given us. He's given us something far more powerful. He's given us the cross, and he's given us an empty tomb. All right, so if you want to say, man, I wish I had signs that would get people to listen to me, we do. We have God coming down in the form of man, dying on a cross, and we have an empty tomb to say, these are the signs that God is who he says he is. And then Moses says, well, God, I can't speak very well. I'm not good at talking um, clearly. And we might also say that same thing. Um, and God's answer is in Exodus 4, uh, 11 through 12. Here's God's answer. Oh, got ahead of myself. Start over. Okay. God's answer says, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. In other words, God makes your mouth. God makes the other guy's ears. Okay? God's going to be with you. He can make your mouth say what your mouth needs to say. He can make that guy's ears hear what his ears need to hear. Stop your belly aching. All right? Go and do what I've told you to do. Moses, being the great guy that he is, he's still got one more thing to say, and it's this. Please send someone else. God's actually really good at answering Moses' questions, and Moses knows that, but let's get to the bottom line. Please send someone else, is what Moses says. And so God just says this. You know what? I'm going to send Aaron. It says his anger is kindled against Moses. He says, I'm going to send Aaron, and he's going to go with you, and you're both going to go to Egypt and take your staff. Actually, if you look at verse 17, the very last word, he says, take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Okay? So, Moses, I'm sending you with Aaron. Don't forget the stick. You might end wonder, like, why? Why does God say don't forget the stick? And here's my crack at it. I think that Moses' staff is a physical reminder that God is with him. Right? Because that thing will turn into a snake, and only God can do that. And you guys remember, like, there's, there's multiple times throughout the Exodus where when he splits the Red Sea, what does he do? He takes his staff with him. And when it touches the water, it splits the Red Sea. And when there needs to be water that comes out of a rock, what does he do? He hits the rock with his staff. And so this is just a physical reminder that God is with him. Now, does the, like, if he forgot his staff one day, was God not with him? No. Okay? Do you guys have physical reminders that God is with you? I mean, you might, this, is, this might be why you wear a cross necklace or why, oh, I'm about to get into some touchy subjects here, but why you might get a tattoo of something that reminds you 
of God's presence with you, okay? I only say that because I know multiple people in my family who have tattoos to remind them of God's presence with them, okay? Do you carry something with you just to remind yourself, God is with me? Might not be a bad idea. Well, let's finish up. We're out of time here. What's our takeaway for today? One takeaway is that God is not who we want him to be. We live in a world that wants to define God for who we want God to be. Okay, we live in a world that says, my God is a God of blah, 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 blah. Can we really do that? Can you redefine what a horse is? Like, I know horses. They walk on two legs and they kick field goals in Budweiser commercials. That's what horses are. They're cute and cuddly and I like to want to bring one into my bed. Yeah, if you redefine a horse that way, it's going to not end very well for you, is it? Right? Um, this is, you, you don't have the option to redefine what a horse is. And you don't have the option to redefine who God is. We want to take judgment out of who God is. We want to say, you know, for example, I don't like a God who predestines people. That might be like an application, what we just talked about. I, I don't like that. That's not who my God is. And we would just have to say it doesn't matter who your God is. It matters who God is, right? That's what God, when he says, I am who I am, he's saying, you don't define me. I define who I am. We, we say, I like a God who saves everyone. That everyone who, you know, is a good person goes to heaven. Or I believe in a God of love, which today means a God who is not against homosexuality or against someone who wants to be a transgender. That's, the, that's my God. And God is saying in Exodus, you don't have that option. Okay? We can't define who God is. All right? God is who he is, and he will be who he has been, which is just a reminder that the God in the Exodus is the God that we serve today, that Jesus Christ is the God that we serve today, that who he's revealed himself to be is who he will be. And if we want to know who God is, we simply need to read Exodus. We need to look at Jesus to figure out who God is, and we should take God with us. All right? Just like Moses was told at the very end, bring your staff with you, we should take God with us because what's God's comforting word to Moses? I will be with you. It doesn't matter who you are when you face this world. What matters is who is with you. I will be with you. So I want to encourage you guys as we finish tonight, uh, today, just don't leave without thinking about that, without thinking about God is with me. How do I make his presence in my life more known? It's not that you know, his presence is less known if you don't focus on him, but there's ways that we work to make God's presence more accessible, more known in our lives as we go throughout life. Um, so let's go ahead and pray. We'll finish with that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for you revealing who you are, and we ask for these students um, that they would know that you are the God who is with them, that you are the God who goes with them in the task that you have called them to, to be disciple makers, to share the gospel with other people. And we pray for those who have not accepted that for themselves here, those who have um, chosen not to follow you themselves, that they continue to live on the other side of your judgment. We ask, Lord, that they would not be incensed against a God who chooses people, incensed against a God who is um, selective, um, but that they would see the grace in it and that they would 
hear your call to choose today life or death and the encouragement to choose life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.